You're listening to a teaching from Vintage Church LA. This week we're hearing from lead pastor Gare Jones. Well, September is the time where we kind of paint the picture for the future of who we are as a community. And to very briefly recap last week, we said that Vintage is a community that serves two types of people. The exploring and the following. The exploring and the following. Jesus always had around him two types of people. Those who are exploring him, like who is this guy? And those who are following him, I'm in. I'm a follower of Jesus. And some churches tend to emphasize one or the other, and that's great, however we're called. We believe vintage, vintage is, sorry, God has called Vintage to be a church that we really serve both communities. That if you're a follower here of Jesus, we want you to grow richly and deeply. And if you're exploring Jesus, we hope you feel safe. We hope you feel loved where you're at and helped and you find this Sunday service a helpful and safe place to be. We said, this is kind of what we do. Sundays, we work really hard to serve both communities, which is not that easy sometimes because we want to do two things on a Sunday. We want to really feed the following. Like the followers go, oh man, I'm fed. That was like a steak dinner I just had at church today or like a kale salad, whatever your preferred big meal is. That, oh yeah, I feel fed, that's amazing. I had a deep encounter with God and the worship was all, whatever it may be. At the same time, we want to make sure that those who are not yet following, who are exploring, also feel welcomed, feel helped, feel that they can be here and, and understand and be helped in their journey towards faith. Just so we can paint a picture Part of that is we work hard on who's going to come in to speak, part of our teaching team. And just coming up this fall, just to highlight a couple of teachers who will be with us. So John Mark Homer, our new teacher in residence, will be here in the fall and he'll be doing a series on prayer, which I know is a four-week series. It's going to be phenomenal. Can't wait for that. And then on November 12th, we have our friend an amazing speaker and theologian, Dr. Amy Orr-Ewing. She'll be here and she'll be teaching on November 12th. So look forward to them ahead. But we really love our Sunday gatherings together for both the exploring and the following. But last week we tried to answer the question, but what do I do at Vintage if I really want to grow in my faith? What do I do? Yeah, tell me. Because as on this next slide, we have a lot of things going on. A lot of amazing things going on. But they tend to be for specific people going through particular circumstances at particular times of their life and they're brilliant. We're never gonna stop those. But what is the foundational discipleship that we do here at Vintage? Like what is the just do this and then check out the rest on top of that? That's been a question we've had and we thought, you know what, let's answer that. And so we are launching, started last week and we're launching now something called Vintage Communities where these communities will gather weekly across the city. They'll gather weekly in semesters where you will do life and journey as followers of Jesus together with other people. A group of say, I don't know, six to 15. Do life together, become like Jesus together, serve each other, I mean, serve others together. But particularly we are going, we are gonna put into these communities the best discipleship we can. 
the best stuff we know and really go, this is really worth your time. That if you are going to follow Jesus, we can't think of anything better than to be in a vintage community because we have curated a two-year discipleship plan for these vintage communities. If you think of two calendar years, there's kind of like six academic semesters. I know the English is off there, but six kind of semesters. Therefore, there's six modules, like five around theology, which we believe teaching the way of Jesus around deep theology, the spiritual life, John Mark's new curriculum, Practicing the Way. Our friend in New York, John Tyson, has written a great course called The Missional Life. We've got a course called Life Together. So we think the teaching of Jesus to really be a follower of Christ, entering into these teachings with rhythms, with practices, with serving. And then finally, one semester, we wanna look outward and invite you to come and help serve on Alpha to help people exploring. We know life is busy and you're thinking, oh, there's more to do. Well, this is not an invitation to do more. You may have to stop something else. But we just want to invite you into, if this is where you go, I really want to grow. I really want to deepen my faith. I want to become like Jesus, be with Jesus, do the things that Jesus did. Then Vintage Communities is the foundation for here at Vintage. So the next week is the final week of open enrollment. We have lots of groups online that you can join, lots of communities. We have less than we had last week because the response has been overwhelming. So since last Sunday, we've had 250 people trying to get into vintage communities, which has been so exciting. And so we've got more online, but also the big push is to form a group, not just find one. There may be some still with some open spots, but maybe one of the best ways is to form one That is either just going on this QR code that's on your seat, going, hey, Johnny, I want to form a group. I want to form a community and open it up to other people. Or you may go, hey, Johnny, I'm already in a friend group of like 10 or so of us. We just want to become a community. And then Johnny can help you form a group. But let's go on that journey together. Open enrollment will be at the beginning of every uh, semester. So if you're not in one this time, there'll be an open enrollment in January to go on this two-year discipleship. So we also said very briefly last week that if you're a new believer, we have something called Rooted, which is for those who aren't exploring, kind of they've decided to follow Jesus, but they're in that help. I'm still learning to walk as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. I need like the basics. And so we have something called Rooted. That starts soon. It's an amazing course with amazing leaders. If that's you, I'd invite you to come to that and sign up for that. But this morning, we're looking particularly... At what do we do for the exploring? What do we do for the exploring? Vintage is a church where we want everyone who's exploring or questioning. Maybe you grew up in faith and got deep questions that you thought you could never answer. So the exploring and the questioning, what do we do? Because sometimes church is good, but church is not everything. You've got questions, you've got cautiousness and you're skeptical a bit. This is the culture I grew up in. I grew up in the north of England and none of my friends were Christians. I was probably the only Christian in the whole school um, and all my friends were atheists. And one of my best friends called Rob was a great guy, very committed atheist, very committed atheist. And eventually after seeing, like having some good conversations, he's, I said, look, why don't you come to church? Just come to church, just tr- check it out once. So I think after about three years of me saying that, 
not pestering him, but just say, hey, why don't you come? He finally said, all right, I'll come. I was so excited. I was so excited. And I just prayed to Jesus one prayer, just one prayer. I said, Jesus, let this Sunday be normal. Please, Lord, let nothing weird happen. Just a good, solid, normal Sunday. Have you ever prayed that prayer when you invite a friend? I don't want any tithing sermon. I don't want any weirdo, wacko stuff. Just normal. Anyway, Sunday came along and Rob and I came to church. Sat fairly near the back so he felt comfortable. And the worship started. And after about five minutes, the pastor of the church got up and just interrupted the worship and grabbed the microphone and immediately I thought oh no (laughs) Lord I said just one normal Sunday and he said look church we've been worshipping I just felt in my spirit that there's a blockage between us and the heavenlies right now that there's something stopping us we're all kind of seeing but it's just ah there's something there I just think God's saying that we should push through and really break down the barriers like the walls of Jericho we should pull them down so what I want to do everybody raise your hands and for the next minute next 10 minutes we're going to sing and pray out in tongues and we're going to demolish the strongholds of darkness that are suppressing our worship in this room this morning so I thought I almost like weeping on the inside I dared not look at Rob and then so everybody started to raise their hands and I kind of thought, oh, I better raise my hands. I looked over to Rob and Rob next to me just because he's such a nice guy, just kind of raised his hands and looking around and <laughs> the tongues started, the shouting started and he just looked at me and said, what the F is going on? <laughs> and literally I remember saying to him, Rob, I'm so sorry. I will never invite you to church ever again. <laughs> And I was like, oh. Now, vintage is not like that, right? But you know, but there are times when you go, man, my friend needs something more than this, right? They're hurt by the church. They may not even come. Well, they've got questions. They don't want a guy just talking at them. They want to dialogue and discern and probe and kind of what people did with Jesus. They just kind of watched him for three years just to check out. So at Vintage, we take that really seriously. We know that we need that environment for friends of ours. That that is an environment we want to cultivate, create that for our friends. Kind of that safe onlooker, that safe exploring posture, without judgment, without pressure. And that's what we call around here Alpha. That is what Alpha is. It's kind of like a Sunday service, but for skeptics. And we run it on Tuesday nights and it's Alpha. We run it three times a year. It's for those who are exploring. It's for those who are questioning, for deconstructing. It's like, I'm not sure what I believe anymore or what I ever thought about Jesus. I've got hurts and hangups about this. Alpha runs for eight weeks. The format is very straightforward. We have a dinner in groups with people who are just like us, exploring faith. We listen to a short talk by me, something about Jesus, something about faith. And then groups discuss it. Say anything they want to say. Ask or talk or share. No question off limits. Then at nine o'clock we end and the pub opens up and people can then, if they want, come and join me in a different room and there's open mic, ask anything you want of me. And I will just share, hey, that's a great question. 
And I'll, hey, here's my response to that. Here's, here's how I found Jesus helpful with that. Or, man, yeah, I, that, wow, that sounds awful. And so that's a beautifully raw time of people going, but what about this? But what about that? We go, we do that for eight weeks and it's the best journey. I'm on my 42nd alpha. I still have a long way to go. I still got questions. But I love being with people who with sincerity want to feel safe, but also explore. Now I know that people sometimes go, well, eight weeks, I don't know if I want it. You know, I love my friends to check it out, but I want them to find out for themselves. And so what we do is we begin every alpha with a one-off event called the alpha launch night. And that alpha launch night is literally just come and see if alpha's for you. It's a great night. We've got great food. We've got the pub open, two drink limit, don't worry. Um, and we've got great conversation and groups. I just give a short presentation about what is alpha so people can make their own decision if they want to do this or not. And it's just a brilliant night. There's no social hangover the next day. It's like people will really actually enjoy the evening and just hear about alpha and see if it's for them or not. It's the safest and easiest invite. So this Tuesday is the alpha launch night and we're saying, bring a friend. Maybe you go, I'm going to bring myself because I want to check out if alpha's for me because I'm exploring or questioning. Great, come along. Come join the fun. Or you may go, actually, I've got a colleague or a spouse or a girlfriend or a neighbor or a family member. I'm going to bring them to launch night and then they can make their own mind up. Now, to convince you that the launch night is a safe place to invite your friends, um, here's a tiny little film, just kind of a bit of a glimpse into the vibe of what it's like on an alpha launch night. Let's watch this. So this Tuesday, bring a friend to Alpha, the Alpha launch night. But we're going to focus and look at God's word together now. And actually, what does it mean to share our faith with others in the challenges of this cultural moment, in the challenges of our city? I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's probably one of the hardest and most difficult moments in US history to tell others about Jesus. It's socially not advantageous it can actually be very de detrimental to relationships. It can be opposed. And in this city in particular, it can be something which people just say, hey, bro, we, you know, we, don't like, we don't like that vibe. It is harder and harder. And yet, we must somehow go, Lord, how do we tell people the good news, even in these challenging times? Let's look at together how the disciples found this same experience in a very challenging culture in the first century of Galilee and Israel. We'll look at John chapter one together, the story of the earliest and first disciples and how they told people about Jesus. It begins in chapter one, 40, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. 
Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Well, come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could actually see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You're going to see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and angels of God going up and down on the son of man, the one who's the stairway between heaven and earth. The first thing that Philip did when he followed Jesus was quickly go tell others. Was quickly go tell others. He went to his best friend, Nathaniel, and go, mate, we found him. We found him. In other words, you can't help want to tell others when you discovered the good news of Jesus. Good news gets out. The good news just gets out. We live in a city where we're constantly recommended things because we've discovered something and we go, you should try this. And we do it about all sorts of things like best coffee. What's your favorite coffee place? No, no. What's that? The boy and the bear. Any improvement on boy and the bear? La La Land. Not a La La Land friend myself. But see, when we find something like great coffee, I found somewhere recently and a friend of mine told me about it. You got to check out Hook's Coffee in Venice. You got to check it out. And it was, it was like, that's amazing. A friend of mine also said to me recently, oh, you live near there. Well, Maru Coffee just opened up an espresso bar just down the road. You should check that place out. See, even when it comes to good coffee, we go, I can't keep the news just to myself. How much more if we found the living God became human and wants to know us, wants to bring us home? How much more when we live in a city where people are desperate to find the answer to their fears, their anxieties, their loneliness, find the significance they're longing for. And we go, I think, I think we found him you've got to come check this out. So yeah, LA is full of people saying about the biggest questions of life, you've got to check this out. It's normal, it's not intolerant to come to someone and go, dude, you've got to check this out. Sometimes we think it's intolerant to share our faith with others. It's actually the opposite. It's the most beautiful gift ever. Not to be pressurized or pushy, but to say, mate, I think, I think you should check Jesus out. See, this is the definition of classical tolerance, which is still beautiful, which is we can freely in this country share recommendations with each other. We can agree to disagree, but still the freedom to go, dude, you should check this out. Somehow tolerance has been warped into modern tolerance recently where you can't say anything is right or wrong or recommend something in fear you might offend someone. That's terrible tolerance. And in fact, we've moved away from that now, which is where council cultures come from, because we recognize, oh, there is right and wrong. 
And when it comes to faith, I love that we're living in a society where classical tolerance is good and, and valued. We can share what we think to encourage others to maybe find what we've discovered. It's happening all over LA about the big things of life. Every few years, there's something else that comes out in LA of, you should try this. This will give you the peace that you, that you need. This is the significance or this is the well-being that you so long for. People either on Instagram reels or whether it be on billboards, they're saying, try this. Ever since I've come to LA, I've loved our crazy city of LA because there's all these recommendations of what to do to find the inner peace that you so long for. It's different now than it was when I first arrived in 2012. I was thinking this morning, what are the things that nowadays were not here 10 years ago that LA is going, you should do this. I thought of four, which were number one, uh, cookies and gummies, which are clearly everywhere right now. Uh, Manifesting, I didn't even hear of manifesting the universe uh, uh, 10 years ago. An ice bath is the latest thing. I've literally been told it will will change your life. It will change your life. And of course, the, the miracle drug will cure everything, apparently. Ozempic is on the move. Um, but you know, people are saying, look, it's a free market of we think we found. And all we are doing when we're telling others about Jesus is going, we actually think we found him. As Philip said to Nathaniel, I think we have actually found. See, for years they've been looking. For years, they've been waiting for the Messiah and there's been some pretenders pop up every now and again and they turned out not to be the Messiah and eventually Nathaniel is told, I think we actually found it. LA is looking for the deep meanings of life, the deep answers to life, true significance and value and worth. What is this life all about? Is there a God? And they're trying and knocking on all the doors that ultimately don't satisfy an answer and telling others is simply doing what Philip said is just going, mate, I love your journey. I I think I found it. And just like if we were traveling through the desert and we're thirsty and I discover water, I'm not gonna keep that to myself. You're my friend, I want you to know. It's the greatest act of love to go to your friends and say, Mate, I love where you're at, but have you considered Jesus? I don't, I don't want you not to consider him given how much he's changed my life. And of course, that's where it begins. It began with Philip. It began simply with going to your friends. So often telling others when I grew up was going to strangers on the street were door knocking random homes. It was all the terrible off-putting things. It was like, no, we're not doing that. But of course, God can break in in miracles and dreams. God can break in through strangers doing things. But throughout the Bible and throughout church history, 99% of those who end up following Jesus started with a friend telling them, hey, can I just tell you what's changed my life? How to tell others begins with friendship. Friends are the people who trust you, who go, well, you're not crazy because I know you. You know, I respect you. Even if I disagree, I'm not going to rule out what you say because I know you. And in fact, over the years, I've had to grow, particularly growing up in England, how do I be friends with, and not off-putting? But at the same time, they see that I love Jesus. There's, there's this kind of balance between I, I want to be open about it, but I don't want to force it and shove it down their throats. 
Otherwise I'll lose my friends. Particularly when I worked in city law firms, I, I, what do I do? And over the years, I realized that the best thing that we can be with our friends in order just to be compelling is simply this, be authentic. Don't hide anything, don't force anything, but just be authentic. What do I mean by that? Well, I used to love Monday mornings at work. Because you used to get into Monday mornings and you're sitting around the coffee area uh, and then a friend would say, hey, what do you do this weekend? And I wouldn't hide anything, I wouldn't force anything, I'd just be authentic. Well, you know, Friday night was pretty chilled, just uh, watched telly, and then Saturday went to play football, then watched the footy in the afternoon, then evening went to that pub, then epic night at the club. There's a great house trancy DM mix going on, it was awesome, right? And then Sunday morning, I tell you though, church was off the hook Sunday, unbelievable. And then Sunday lunch at this beautiful pub in the country with a full, full kind of roast lunch, unbelievable. And then I just slept, I was tired. See, now most of you right now are thinking, house, trance, EDM, club, gear, what's that? <laughs> That's over a pint some of the time. But, but all my friends were going, hang on a minute, did you say church was off the hook? Now I wasn't, being intentionally provocative, I've just been authentic. And at times with church was like underwhelming, I'd say that as well. I go, yeah, I went to church. This guy Gare was speaking and he was rubbish, you know. But you know, it's an off week, it's fine. But the worship, Sammy was killer, right? It would just be authentic. I remember when a friend of mine was healed dramatically, that was really exciting. Because the next day at work, it was like, hey, what did you do last night? Um, well, man, we like cracked open the champagne, man, because my buddy Jason was like literally biblical proportions, miraculously healed, like x-ray before and after stuff, like doctors have no idea kind of stuff. Doesn't happen often, but it did. It was amazing. And the wine was really good as well. Uh, you know, and so again, I didn't linger. I'm not forcing it, but just being authentic, Right? If someone says, what, you know, if I ask them, what did you do last night? <gasps> Epic series four of whatever. It's like, great. I can say the same thing about someone being miraculously healed. Just being authentic. And you're not forcing it. They're asking questions. And I think that's such what people just go, great. I know who you are. I remember often saying authentic out of care for them. Once I got like good friends, again, none of them are Christians. And they would say, oh man, I have a tough time. My dad's ill or something like that. And I'd just say, look, mate, you know I'm a, you know, nickname in England, I'm a God squatter, right? Um, and I know you don't believe in the big G, but can I, maybe tonight, can I pray? Can I pray for your dad? I won't do it now, that'd be weird, but can I do it tonight? You go, oh, I'd really like that actually, right? Just being authentic, an authentic friend. That's where it starts. You don't have to pressure, push. When you follow Jesus and live the way of Jesus, it is so provocative to those around you and you just be authentic about your walk with him and you're not trying to force it, right? I used to force it and it was terrible. I'd wear like branded Jesus stuff. 
I remember I had this t-shirt. I thought this is going to get attention. It said like, don't be caught dead without Jesus, you know? And it was like so terrible. I mean, this is like putting evangelism back 20 years and it never worked. But what does work is just loving your friends, people around you, and just being authentic. Being an authentic follower of Jesus. And then every now and again, there'd be an opportunity to go, mate, like Philip said, I think I found something. I think I found. You should check this out. And like Philip, we can then encounter our friends with, dude, hang on. No way. Nathaniel said, how on earth could the Messiah be from Nazareth? You see, Nazareth, that was a really good question. And actually, Philip had empathy with that question. He said, mm, yeah, I don't have an answer to you. Because Nazareth was like the bottom of the social totem pole. It was not where anybody cool came from. It was not kind of the right side of town. It was not where future Israel, Israeli royalty would come from. In Bethlehem, they didn't know he was from Bethlehem, but he was from Nazareth, like grew up in Nazareth. It's like maybe, or Jerusalem, absolutely, but not Nazareth. It's this podunk town somewhere. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. He had a point. And I think telling others must involve empathy with our friends have really good questions that we have to take seriously. That we can't just preach the gospel and not honor the hurts they're carrying from church. The, the sense that they haven't been able to ask tough questions before. What happened to their friends? The scandals on TV. Their best friend is not a Christian. Does that mean he's gonna to go to, uh, what, what about if God's all powerful and all good, why does he allow suffering? All of these really good questions, which frankly, yeah, I'd be thinking that too. So often we're telling others, we dismiss people's really good questions, skeptical questions, things that should, they should go, hey, I'm not into blind faith. I want evidence here, man. Yeah. Philip honored that Nathaniel had a decent, really important question. And we're living in a time in our culture where there are more really good, sincere obstacles to people exploring Jesus. Understandable ones, and we gotta take them seriously. So here's my little charts, which you've seen many times before. In the 1950s, the evangelism was different. People generally found Jesus quite compelling. They had a lot of, you know, he was popular. There was nothing really in the way. People just needed like someone to really, come on, what are you gonna do about your eternal life? And they had anointed people like Billy Graham and others. Oh my gosh, amazing anointed preachers. But then by the 1970s and 80s, questions and obstacles started to appear, particularly around the rise of modernism and evidence for the resurrection, multiculturalism. Hang on a minute, what about other faiths? And we started to go, oh, we have to help people with their questions. So we wrote books. Do you remember books like Case for Christ and Evidence that demands a verdict. Really great book, still really helpful for people with those questions. But I don't know about you, but we are no way there now. There's a whole new set of questions. And by 2023, when we are inviting someone to explore Jesus, they have a lot of baggage in the way. And understandably so. 
And we have to empathize with that. We have to actually love people where they're at. And that's why Philip, like me, I mean, sometimes you can help people with their questions, but sometimes we go, oh my God, this is too much for me. This is above my pay grade. I have no idea how to answer that. And like Philip, Philip said, oh gosh, good question. I have no idea. But you should just come and check them out for yourself. And I think that's the beauty of living in a church community that we can have people with friends who go, yeah, they got so many questions here. I don't know what to do. So we do what Philip did and said, look, invite them to something to help them. Invite them to something. Philip said, I don't know, just come and check him out for yourself. You got a great question. You probably got more great questions. But at the end of the day, just come and see for yourself. And we need to have that same environment to invite our friends. Sundays are not that, right? I can't have one-on-one conversations. We're not answering all the things. We're not dialoguing about the hurts and things. Sundays is a different thing. We hope it's helpful for people. But there's got to be something else to go on a journey with people. And that is what Alpha is. Alpha is simply every week we go on this journey, allow people, see this next chart here, they go on a journey. It's messy, organic, beautiful, authentic, but over eight weeks, and maybe multiple alphas, people can encounter Jesus, ask whatever they want, explore what other people think, authentically share their story, do it with other friends just like them. I remember... And I went out on Alpha, this is what I needed, but I was scared about coming on Alpha. I was so hurt by the church. I'd left for many years. I tiptoed back into church and I hated it on Sundays. So then someone said, you should do Alpha. It's just for people like you. And I didn't believe them. I just thought it's gonna be full of Christians giving me all the pat answers. But I was so surprised. I went into this um, Alpha course. There's like 800 people there. Went into this one group and the first night it was, so let's just go around, say who we are and kind of our worldview. And I thought, oh, here we go. Everyone's just going to say they're Christians. And, and the first person said, oh, hi, I'm Jim. I'm an atheist. I went, oh, okay, there's two of us. The next person said, atheist, then agnostic. I thought, this is, getting, this is getting better. And then the fourth person said, hi, I think her name, I think her name was Joe. She said, hi, my name's Joe and I'm a witch. I thought, yes. This is going to be amazing, right? This is awesome. And it was the best journey. The hosts were Christians, but they just wanted to know what we thought. And we had this compelling journey of listening to talks about Jesus, which I thought, that's pretty compelling. I haven't thought a bit like that before. Talking about things with people who were honestly just questioning and exploring. And then going on a journey together. And it was over those eight weeks that I rediscovered Jesus because I was able to explore in safety, without judgment, and without pressure. This is the invitation. Philip just said, come and see. Our come and see for yourself moment at Vintage is Alpha. That's why we have the launch night, because people go, I'm not too sure. Well, just come to the launch night and see if it's for you. And I can guarantee when you invite someone to Alpha, You don't know what's gonna happen. Same thing with Philip, right? I wonder what he thought. Oh gosh, Jesus, let it be normal when I bring my mate Nathaniel. Don't do anything wacky, right? But of course, 
we can f- trust Jesus. We can have faith that if we just facilitate the encounter, Jesus will do his stuff. This is what it means to invite, is we invite with faith. We don't know what Jesus is gonna do. Philip did not know what would happen when Nathaniel met Jesus. But something beautiful happened. And equally, when we invite our friends to explore Jesus, we're not pushing them, pressuring them. We're just saying, come and see for yourself. I'm your buddy. I can just, just do it once. We know that Jesus shows up in unique ways to every single person, maybe over a different time frame than we think, but he starts to meet them. See, I love this encounter that Nathaniel had with Jesus. I mean, it's Jesus, oh my gosh, at his best. He's always at his best, but you know what I mean. It's a quite a weird text, it's, but in summary, it's the most beautiful encounter because Nathaniel is walking towards Jesus and Jesus preempts any introduction and goes, ah, a true Israelite, one whom there is no deceit. In other words, unlike Jacob of the Old Testament, you don't have deceit. I see you. I know you. I know you better than anyone. I don't even need to wait for an introduction. I know you. And Nathaniel's there going, how do you know me? Like, how do you know, know me? Not the facade I put on the outside, not kind of the, the veneer I try and get likes and get people to praise me. No, you kind of saw beneath everything. And he goes, how did you know me? It's almost like you created me. I mean, he was known the way we long to be known and it was Jesus who did that. Saw through everything and he could see exactly who he was. And then he goes on, I love this bit. Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Jesus says something shocking. He says, mate, I could even see you when you were hiding under the fig tree before Philip found you. I mean, that would have been shocking and alarming. Because the point here is, the emphasis in the Greek here is not that, hey, I saw you like everyone else under a fig tree. No, no, no. He says, I saw you when you were hiding. Like, I saw you when you were trying to do what you were trying to do in secret. Like in your, the stuff that you want no one to know, I saw. I know. And when you come to me, that's not who you are. You're the guy I created. I, I love you for who I made you to be. And even though I know you to the bottom of the depths of the things that you want to hide, I love you to the skies and more. See, in Jesus, Nathaniel found the love that he'd been longing for. That someone who truly knows everything about me, even my hurts, my hangups and my habits, and he loves me just the same. Oh my gosh, I wonder what his heart felt. No wonder he said, you are, you are the son of God. And Jesus didn't leave it there. He said, oh dude, you haven't seen anything yet. He said, he, then he quotes the Old Testament again. He said, look, do you remember that story where Jacob running away and he has a vision of the heavens open and the, a ladder come down and the kingdom of God through angels comes down and invades earth and heaven starts to invade earth. He says, look, I'm that ladder. I'm now the, the, the conduit, the, the ladder between heaven and earth. And dude, if you follow me, 
We're gonna do this together. You've been living in shame under a fig tree, insignificant, ashamed, and hiding. If you come with me, we're gonna have the best time together. You're gonna find significance and purpose and value like you could never have dreamt. Come on, Nathaniel. I see you more than anyone else does. I love you more than anyone else ever will. And I will give you a purpose like you never could have dreamt when you are hiding under the fig tree. Now look at that and go, oh Jesus, all we have to do is bring people to you and you'll do your stuff. You'll do what only you can do. We can't do that. But we can go to our friends and say, come and see, come and see. This Tuesday is our come and see moment. Come and see for yourself. Just check it out for yourself. Bring a friend. And then leave the rest to God. And I can guarantee he'll do what only he can do. Let's stand together. Thanks for joining us for another week. We'd love to connect with you at one of our gatherings or online at vintagechurchla.com.